praise your name, Lord. We praise you in this house, Lord, because you're worthy, Lord. We give you praise and worship, Lord, we re in reverence of who you are, Lord, because you're worthy, Lord. As I was worshiping there, the Lord was telling me, I'm concerned about you. He wasn't just telling me. He was telling all of us. He's concerned about us. He's concerned with us. He's concerned about every detail, every aspect of our life, every facet of our life he is concerned with. There's nothing that happens that goes unseen before the eyes of the Lord. And then I heard Psalms 23. And so... I want to read that to you this morning. And for some of us, we're, hold, we're still holding on to things that don't belong to us. And we need to surrender it to him completely, completely. Because in order for him to move, those barriers need to be removed. Amen? And so the only way for him to move is for us to say, here you go, Lord. So that he can start to shift and move and rearrange in our life. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. How many of us were hooked out of situations this week that could have caused death? I was reading this, and the Lord showed me that. The Lord showed me that. He hooked you out because the enemy is on prowl and he's out for destruction he's out for blood and not the blood of jesus but our blood he's out to kill he's out for death but god will hook us out amen as long as we allow him to he will save us he protects us he comforts us amen you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies our enemies, our enemies, the enemy, the enemy, friends, the enemy. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. How precious is that, my friends? Jesus. We can read it and we can read it and we can read it and sometimes not get anything out of it. But how many of us this week, I heard a couple of times, I'm here. I made it. But friends, God just doesn't want us to be here. He just doesn't want us to make it to another Sunday. It's with purpose. Otherwise, he can take us home right now. Amen? So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word.
I just thank you for your presence in this place today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, because we are never far from you, Lord, no matter what direction, no matter what path, no matter what walk of life we may be on, Lord, we are never far from you, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would just bless this service, Lord, as you've already blessed it with your presence. Anoint the word, Lord, that you've placed on our pastor's heart, Father God. Anoint his tongue, Father God. I thank you, Lord. You've anointed in the word. And the word says you have anointed our head with oil. The, the oil of the spirit of heaven, Lord. Jesus, you've anointed him. And we give you praise for him today, Lord. Lord, I just give you glory, Lord, in this house, Lord. There's nothing, there's nothing I can say. There's, there's no words that can express the honor that is due to your name, our King of kings and Lord of lords. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, just a couple of announcements, friends. I'm super, super excited about next week. And I know that we've all have, we all are excited and we've all been sharing. Um, but we still have, everyone still has a, 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 a flyer in your bulletin. And so if there's still someone that you've been on the fence about, telling or the right words to say, to invite, just take a step out in faith and hand out the flyer. <laughs> Amen. That's all you could do because it's in obedience to him. So everybody needs to know the good news, needs this hope that we have in Jesus, and we shouldn't be selfish and greedy and keep it to ourselves. Um, but for next week, Easter, and um, we have a couple special presentations that are going to take place so I invite all of you to be here and invite someone. But before Sunday, we'll have a good service, joint service, at Mountain View Community Church here in Fontana. And our worship band's going to be playing, and um, pastor's going to be speaking, as well as their pastor, Nathan Williams. So I invite you to, to come together with us, join us. We're going to be there um, and join our faith with theirs. Because it's about community. It's about reaching. It's about sharing the gospel. It's not one church over the other. It's what can we do in numbers to strengthen the kingdom of heaven. Amen? So um, come out and join us on that. On the 25th, we're going to have um, prayer at Bible study at Mike and Maggie's house. But on Thursday of this week, so that's for 25th is the following Thursday. On this Thursday is women's Bible study at my home. So I encourage all of you to come out and, um, and join us, ladies. And um, can everybody say tacos? On May 5th, which is Cinco de Mayo, um, share and get excited and tell a friend and those that you invite for this Sunday, or next Sunday, I should say, then tell them, then on May 5th, we're going to have some tacos. So um, I'm going to be making barbacoa, which is shredded beef, and also shredded chicken. Um, and so it'll be a yummy, yummy time. And I know Miss Frances is going to be helping with some side dishes and salsa. So um, we all know that she is a delicious cook as well. So um, invite a friend, and uh, we're super excited about what God is doing and how he's moving. Amen, amen. Um, yeah, join us for Good Friday. It's going to be an exciting time. Uh, we're meeting there at uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, not going to be a very long, drawn-out service. 
so if, if you have, um, well, plan it out. I would say if you have nothing better to do. No, no, plan it out. You have something better to do, and that's going to be at Good Friday service with us and celebrating the, the, the death of Christ. Amen? And so uh, we invite you to come out if you need directions. Uh, see me after service, and I'll get the cross streets correct. I know it's on Palmetto and, and some cross street there. And uh, Merrill, okay. Palmetto, uh, and, uh, Palmetto Merrill. And, uh, and the address is in our bulletin. And so I encourage you to come out now and, um, and fellowship with us and, and support, you know, your, your church. Amen. Support your praise team and, and support me as, as I bring forth the word. And so it'll be an exciting time. So hopefully I'll see you there. And uh, I think that that's it. Um, we're going to go ahead before the Father in prayer for our tithes and our offering and uh, for, for the, the rest of the service. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the this ability to meet in this place today, Lord. I thank you for your presence that's here, Heavenly Father, that's activated, Heavenly Father, that we, that we can feel, Heavenly Father, it's tangible in this place today, Lord. And I thank you for that, Lord. I ask you, Heavenly Father, as I bring forth your word, Heavenly Father, allow it to minister to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Allow us to, to as we walked in, Lord, allow us to walk out differently than we walked in, Heavenly Father. I, I pray, Heavenly Father, we not just leave our burdens, Heavenly Father, but we take Lord, from what you have, Lord, from, 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 from the dinner table that you have served today, Heavenly Father. I, th I ask you, Heavenly Father, just to feed us your word today, Lord, and we thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the tithes and the offering, Heavenly Father, and the ability to give, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, for the gift and the giver, Lord. And I ask you, Heavenly Father, bless each one according to your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Youth, you may go to youth. I want to thank uh, Mike Ames. I want to thank uh, 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 Ryan as he's walking out. I want to thank uh, Alec and Austin and Miss Candice and my son. We went out and hit the streets yesterday. We, uh, Bill, Bill Dodd was there too. Uh, and uh, it was an awesome time just to go out and just fellowship with each other, hit, hit the, uh, the pavement. We hit about three apartment complexes up. If you're thinking about giving somebody a flyer, go grab it after service today because what's on that table is all we have. That's it. And so we had a thousand, we had a box full of them, and they're completely gone other than what's in your bulletins and what's on that table. And so if you're uh, thinking about doing it, do it before you, uh, before you can't do it. Because like I said, after today, I guarantee you they'll be gone and uh, we won't have none to pass out. The other thing I'm going to tell you also is we have an ad on Facebook. We spent some money, and, and you might have seen it if you're scrolling through Facebook, and it's a sponsored ad and it has our name on it. It's because we purchased that Facebook ad, okay? Some of you guys, I've, well, all of you guys, if you have friends on Facebook, I've invited you to uh, 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 attend the, uh, the event, okay, Easter Sunday. If you can do me a favor, because this is free advertising, if you can post that on your Facebook page. Uh, I thought about doing it myself, but I don't know if you appreciate me posting stuff on your page. But if you can, share that on your page. Uh, uh, go to our, the church's page, go to my page, uh, you'll, you'll see it. You just hit share if you need help with that after service, we'll help you out. Um, but uh, uh, do that, and that's a great, great uh, thing. We have some uh, great responses. I want to say there was about eight or nine people responding to that event that we don't know, and it's a great ministering tool, amen? And so we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do for that. Um, this morning, we're going to be in Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, the first 11 verses. And this morning, my sermon is called Fickle People. Not freckled people, fickle people. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be fickle. Don't be fickle, amen? We're going to look at some fickle people this morning. This is, the, this is the, the, the story of Palm Sunday, amen? And the past few weeks we looked at the miracle of Jesus Christ. We've looked at a couple of his miracles. And this morning is actually the kickoff of Holy Week, right? Uh, this is Palm Sunday and then it's followed by Good Friday, uh, which is a good Friday because Jesus 
died on the cross for our sins, amen? And then it's, it's followed by Resurrection Sunday, which is Easter Sunday, which is when we celebrate the, the, the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen? And so today kicks off what we call as Holy Week. And, it, and, and this morning we're going to see the account of Palm Sunday. And it's a, a very important account. In fact, it's in all four Gospels. Um, as, up to this point, Jesus' ministry was kind of secluded. He would heal people individually. He would talk to crowds. But now he's going to be ushered into the city of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey as it was prophesied. And he's going to uh, make himself known to everybody. And we really, he could have done that at any particular time, but it wasn't. Uh, time yet and so Palm Sunday was that time that Jesus chose to do that and so if you have your Bibles turn with me to Matthew 21 and we're actually going to read all 11 verses right now so 21 verse 1 says as they approached Jerusalem and came to Beth, uh, Bethphage on the Mount of Olives Jesus sent two disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what the uh, spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on the donkey, on a colt, the foil of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them and sat and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Hence, we get Palm Sunday. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10 says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, I was looking at that scripture, and, and like Timothy mentioned, it, it's on TV this week, it's on radio. It, 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 it's a scripture that, that we, we look at a lot this time of year because it's the Palm Sunday scripture. It's, a, it's, it's during the, the, uh, the, when Jesus comes in and, 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 and they, they, they usher him in with, with, palm, with uh, palm branches. And I was, when I was looking at the scripture this week, it made me think, what happened to the supporters? What happened to those people that said Hosanna, that was worshiping uh, Jesus, was excited for him? What happened to those people? See, in verse 10, it says that the city was stirred and people were asking, who is this man? And the crowd said, this is Jesus from Nazareth. But what happened to those people? Because we know the story. We know what happens because something happened between Sunday, Palm Sunday, the ushering in of Jesus, the excitement, the roar of the crowd, the rejoicing, the Hosanna, the son of David's here, to Good Friday when they're yelling, crucifying him, crucify him, we want Barabbas. What happened? What made them change their minds when they were welcoming and ushering in Jesus on a donkey to putting him on the cross to die a painful death? What happened from Sunday to Friday, talking about life change, Sunday to Friday, what happened? What changed? What changed? What made them turn, in uh, turn on Jesus in a matter of just a few days? And as I was mentioning earlier, I was meditating on the word, I realized that this crowd is 
there's a lot of them that, that are the same. They, 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 they ushered in his presence. And now they're saying, crucify him. And what I realized was, is, and, 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 and this is kind of uh, speaks to the heart, but we're not much different than these people. We're not much different than the crowd that was worshiping him one day and then turning our backs on him and, 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 and calling him names and, 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 and putting him on the cross. And we may want to say we are different, but I beg to differ with you because I'll be the first that says, I'm part of that crowd. I'm part of that crowd that, that, that was ushering in his, his presence one day and the next, rejecting Jesus. One moment we're worshiping God and, and everything's fine, and the next moment we're questioning him, or we're doubting him, or we're not receiving what he has to say, or we're rejecting what he has his will is for our lives, and we're no different from that crowd that was worshiping him on a Sunday and rejected him on a Friday. You see what I'm saying? We're not much different, church. We are also a fickle people who will change our minds left and right. Matthew 27, 15 to 22, we continue the story. This is now it was uh, the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. And at the time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. And so when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him uh, this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Verse 20 says, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Verse 21 says, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. Verse 22 said, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked, they all answered, crucify him. Crucify him. We want Barabbas. So we can look at these scripture. We can look at Matthew 27. We can look at Matthew 21 and, and see the differences. And we will say, we will never do that to our Savior. We will never do that. I imagine that there was some in those crowds that day that ushered Jesus in with palm trees, palm branches, with their cloaks on the ground, that was worshiping him, that never thought that they would be rejecting Jesus. We can say we never do that. Peter said, Jesus, I will never deny you. But he did it three times. We can say that would never happen to us. But I'll tell you what, we do it, I think, more often than we actually acknowledge or actually uh, know that we do it or not. We do it. So there's four things I want us to see this morning. There's four ways that we today are just like the crowd. There's four ways I want you to encourage you to see what's happening in your own life, to take from it, to grow upon it, to deepen your relationship with God, and not fall into one of these four different categories like these fickle people did Palm Sunday over 2,000 years ago. The first one I want you to see is they possess a casual, not a committed faith. It was a casual faith that they possessed. It was not a committed faith. 
These people saw Jesus coming. They saw Jesus coming on the, riding on the donkey. They worshipped and they said, Hosanna, the, the, the son of David's here. But you know what they did? They missed the person of Jesus. They missed him. They completely missed him. It was a casual faith. It was a committed faith. You see, they had religion, but they had no relationship. And without relationship, there is no religion. Without relationship, we don't have Jesus as our Savior. And then it becomes just a religion and not a relationship. A relationship is a commitment. A religion is casual. Amen? See, many people call themselves religious. Use the word religious, right? And they use the words religious. But there's no religion in it because there's no relationship. There's no relationship. If there's no relationship, there is no commitment. I can say if I'm married to my wife. But if I don't have a relationship with my wife, even though I'm married, it's just a marriage, then there's really no commitment. It's that relationship that builds that commitment. Amen? Yesterday... It was interesting. We were out passing out flyers. And, and Miss Candace knocks on the door and one lady opens it up and she says to Miss Candace, if it's about religion, I'm not religious because I'm a Jehovah Witness, right? And uh, it's okay. You can laugh about it because she goes, I want to laugh myself. It's like, wow. I was like, wait a minute. And then I told Miss Candace, you should have said, listen, I'm not religious either. I'm relational, right? And it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And I, I thought that was kind of funny. But a casual faith is a faith that is it's picked up when it's convenient. We pick it up when, when we want something from it. That's a casual faith. These people welcomed Jesus. And it was just, they were welcoming him with the words and they welcomed him with the action. But you know what? There was no heart behind it. And because of it, it was just casual. There was no commitment from these people. See, the thing is, it was just lip service. All it was was words. It was Hosanna. It sounded good. It, it sounded fitting for the occasion. And they worshiped him with the words. But all it was was words. It wasn't. It was just lip service. God doesn't want lip service. He wants our hearts. He wants every part of us. That's what he wants. He doesn't want a casual faith. faith. He wants a committed faith. These people were spreading out their garments. And, and the spreading of their cloaks or spreading out their garments uh, 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 was symbolism of recognition, loyalty, and promise. They took palm branches and they put palm branches down, which was a symbol of victory and success. And they were ushering in Jesus. But it was casual. It wasn't a committed. So they did all that to show them, listen, we're committed. But if you're committed, then why would you reject him on a Friday? If you were committed, why didn't you stick with him? That's not commitment. That is casual. Amen? See, they said that they were committed on a Sunday, and somehow it diminished. Why? Because there was no true commitment. A true commitment doesn't diminish when things happen or doesn't go right. Things, uh, a, a true commitment does not diminish. So I'm telling you today, church, it's more important today than ever to be committed to Christ. Ever, it's, today is the day to be committed to Christ more than ever before. See, we live in a day that does not like commitment. We're not personal no more. We don't like commitment. We, we, we count friends with the amount of people that says we have friends on Facebook. 
No, that's casual friendship and maybe a few commitments, but we don't have committed friendship. We don't have, and, and, and the thing is, it's hard for us to be committed to God because we don't commit to each other. You think about, about, about relationships. And I, we have coworkers, and I hear them you know, all the time, that's your boyfriend? No, I'm just with him. What do you mean you're just with him? It's your boyfriend or not your boyfriend. It's your wife or it's not your wife. It's a committed relationship or not a committed relationship. And you're not just with him. But we see that all the time. I'm just with him or I'm just with her. No, it's, 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 it's a commitment. See, more people are interested in being with many people and not just one person. Came across the fact yesterday, between 2011 and 2013, men and women were surveyed. 60% of men and 67% of women agreed living together before marriage may help prevent divorce. Well, of course, because you were never married to begin with. Right? Of course you believe it. The thing is, is there's no commitment there. So you go and you cohabitate together and you live together. One can leave the other. Why? Because there's no commitment. I get mad at my wife because I throw my towel on the floor. Or I'm sorry, she gets mad at me because I throw my towel on the floor, right? If we were married, she would say, I'm done with you. I'm hitting the road. You leave that, that towel is one more time. I'm done. And you know what's funny is because we laugh about it, but it happens in relationships. Why did you leave it? Well, I just couldn't stand, you know, his, his, you know, his habits. Well, you know, if you're committed, you work it out. But marriage, that marriage is a commitment and you're together, Amen. See, that's backwards thinking. It's, it's relationships in when there is an issue because there is no commitment. And I told you all that to tell you this. That trickles back down to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because we, we've grown up in an age that commitment is nothing. It's a casual and it's not committed no more. And so what happens is we have a commitment with God and we say it's a commitment, but it's a casual commitment. And we're not committed to God as we should. Why? Because our society has trained us. That commitment is casual. It's not casual. It's committed. Amen? These people bailed on Jesus because he did not fit their description of the Messiah. Because there was no commitment. They said, oh, Jesus is our Savior. He's coming to rescue us. Wait, never mind. That doesn't look like the Savior I want. Never mind. Forget about it. I'm bailing on you. Why? Because there was no commitment. If there was a commitment there, they would have said, let me find out exactly who this Jesus is. Let me follow him. Let me see him. Let me talk with him. Let me speak with him. Maybe, maybe this is something, and let's, let's see this through. Instead, they said, oh, never mind. It's not, not mine. I'm not committed to him. Revelations 3.16, we see this. So, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. See, we are either casual with God and have no relationship with him or we're committed to God and have a relationship with him. We're not, we can't go back and forth because the word says right there, and this is Jesus talking in Revelation 3.16. Revelation 3.16, he says, you're lukewarm. You're hot nor cold. You're not for me. You're casual with me. In reality, we don't have a relationship. It's commitment. It's commitment. It's commitment of faith. The second thing I want you to see they possess was they possess a self-centered, not a Christ-centered faith. It was a self-centered faith. So I'm telling you today, and it may sound elementary, and it may sound basic, 
is we need to have a Christ-centered faith, not a self-centered faith. You got that? Casual faith is a self-centered faith. It's a faith that when we come to God, we come to God because we need something. That's a self-centered. We're coming to God because of who? Me. I want something. I want him to work in my life. I want it. And so what we end up happening is we turn it around from a Christ-centered faith to a self-centered faith. In America, we like to say, hey, God, here's my calendar. Here's my agenda. I think I can squeeze you in between 4 and 5 on a Tuesday night. But my Fridays are booked because that's the one I go out with my girls or my guys. We say, tell God what, what, what our calendar looks like instead of trying to, to, to make our, our life fit in with him. Or return to God when it's convenient or return to him when it's useful. It's a faith that is self-centered. And we live in a self-centered society. It's all about me. That's why relationships also don't work out. It's because they look at it and say, it's all about me. You know? Sometimes you just have to say, say, say to my wife, no, it's not about you. It's about me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't say that. It's not good advice. Don't do that. <laughs> I love you, baby. All right. I had to throw that out there. <laughs> but that's a self-centered faith. People praise Jesus. Why did they praise Jesus on one day and call for his crucifixion? Why did they do that? You know why? He was performing miracles. They liked that. They were speak, he was speaking truth. They liked that. He was serving them, and he, they liked that. And then when it came down to realizing who, the, who the, the center of the faith was, it wasn't about them no more. It was about him. Turn their back to Jesus. See, they also found Jesus as a political figure. They viewed him as someone that would come in and save them from the Roman Empire. They shouted Hosanna, which means save now. Save now. We can get out of the hand of Rome just like we got out of the hand of Egypt. But their praise was self-centered on what Jesus could do for them and not what they can produce. Not what they can work with. It was what Jesus could do for whom. I'll tell you this, and we all know this, but Jesus is not a genie. You don't go up there and, and, and make wishes and him granted. That doesn't how it works. That's a self-centered faith. But so many Christians nowadays treat God like a genie. We can't treat God like a genie. He doesn't owe us anything. In fact, if, if we, he owes nothing. We owe him everything. Because I'll tell you what, it was my sin that put him on the cross. And because it was my sin that put him on the cross, I should have been on the cross. That's who owes him that. But if anything, we owe him something. He doesn't owe us absolutely nothing. Faith is not centered around what Jesus can do for us. Faith is centered around Jesus himself. Third thing I want you to see this morning, and this is important in our time and day, they possess a social, social, not a personal faith. It was a social faith, not a personal faith. Many of those who threw their cloaks down or branches 
on the streets. They shouted praise to Jesus. Why did they do it? Because it was the social thing to do. Everybody else was doing it. And because everybody else was doing it, we're going to go with the crowd and we're going to do it as well. Some of them had, had honest, they, they believed, they were honest, they, they had sincere hearts. But I believe others were doing it because people were doing it. Others were doing it. Later on in Matthew 27, there were people with a sincere heart that felt that Jesus wronged them and wanted to see him die. But why was there so many of them saying crucify him that day? Do you know why? Because it was a social thing to do. Everybody else was doing it. And because everybody else was doing it, it's easier to jump on the social thing than the personal thing. And they went along with the crowd, and those that praised him on a Sunday is now telling him to be crucified on a Friday. Why? Because it was the social thing to do. We live in a world that loves to follow others. Love to follow others. It's a program I've been running for the county for four years. And it's a, and it's a program that we have, a, you know, not a whole bunch of people, 10, 12 people on a weekly basis coming for orientation. And in my four years' experience, this is not any kind of scientific study that I've conducted, but I'm going to tell you what my experience is. The program is very hard. In fact, 95% of people do not complete it. But at the very end of orientation, we give them the option of leaving for the day and not doing the program or staying and do the program. And what I found out is if the first person, if we're in an orientation class and we have 10 people sitting there, and the first person I ask, and if I ask, Nathaniel, you're staying or going? Nathaniel tells me to stay. I have 90% of the customers stay. But reverse, if I say, Nathaniel, are you leaving? And she says, yes, I'm leaving, 90% of the, of the customers leave. And you know why that is? It's because they want to follow somebody. They want to follow the crowd. And I even tell you this. If I tell somebody... If I ask them if they're going to stay and they say they're staying, out of the 90% that's staying, some will stare at my face and say, yeah, I'm staying. I'm going to have, go have a seat in the lobby. You know what they do? They walk straight out that door. But they couldn't tell me they're leaving. Do you know why? Because they want to follow the crowd. Socially acceptable, not personally acceptable. It was socially acceptable. And people are like that. We want to live in a day and, a, and we live in a world that wants to follow and be like others. Commercialism is at one of its higher, highest peaks. Corporate, corporations know how to target you. Hollywood wants you to follow them. They want you to, 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 to follow them and be part of the crowd. They want it to be socially acceptable. They want people to, to jump on the bandwagon. There's our algorithms. If you know what algorithms are, they, they, they look at your habits and they see what you search for. So if you search for Disneyland tickets on the internet, when you go to your Facebook page, Disneyland's going to pop up on your Facebook page. When you go check your email, Disneyland's going to be on the Yahoo side of the email that says buy tickets. They know exactly what you're searching for and they want to, 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 to go and they, they want to influence the crowd. Why? Because we're like sheep and we go along with it. That's why. The more we see it, the more eager we are to buy sometimes, fall into that trap. We live in a society that wants to be influential in our lives. But we have a choice. We have a choice to do the social thing or we have the choice to do the personal thing. What are we going to choose? 
social, personal. Social faith is one that follows what everyone else is doing. Or we can have a personal faith where we make the personal decision to follow Christ, regardless of the outcome, regardless if it's unpopular, regardless if it gets a little hard, regardless if no one else wants to do it, regardless if the world rejects him, regardless if the stakes are high or not high, we have a commitment, a personal commitment, to do the personal thing because God is a personal God. Amen? There's a verse that keeps coming up over the last month or so. I don't have it up here, but Matthew 7, 7. If you remember, it says, Jesus is speaking, and he says that if you seek, you will find. If you ask, it will be given to you. If you knock, the door will be open. Remember that verse. We've been over it several times over the last few weeks. Six verses down. Jesus says that. Six verses down, he says in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. He says this. Answer through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What changed? He said all we have to do is what? Ask, seek, knock, and be given to you. But now he says that the road is broad. Leads to destruction. Small gate and the narrow road leads to life. Only a few will find it. All we have to do is seek, ask, and knock. Why isn't that road larger? Why isn't that road larger? You know why? Because human nature is we gravitate to what's easy. And if the, if the road is easier but leads to destruction, we're going to take it because it's the easy road. We don't want to go the hard road. We don't want to go against the crowd. We don't want to be the one standing up and saying, don't crucify him. That's my Jesus. We want a Peter that says, oh, I never know him. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Me dissing myself from him. But we say we don't never do that. Human nature. We gravitate to what the crowd says. They say Hosanna. We say Hosanna. They say crucify him. We say crucify him. Why? Because it's the, it's the path of least resistance. Choose the path of least resistance. Human nature is, I want to be accepted. And I want others to accept me. I tell you, that's a social thing. See, many want to seek. Many want to knock. Many want to ask. But they don't. Willing to do. Why do we know that? Because the road not large. Because if the road was large, everyone would be the asking. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to who? You. He says, seek and who will find it? You. He said, knock and the door will be open to who? You. You. What does you mean? You it's personal. If I tell my son, and we do this quite often, I'm speaking to you. I'm not speaking to the other kids. I'm speaking to you, Dennis. And what that means is I'm personal with my son. I'm one-on-one -on -one with my son. And so if Jesus says, 
Knock, the door will be open to you. Seek and you will find it. Ask and it will be given to you. He's talking about personal. He's talking about personal. He's talking about not social. He's talking about personal. It's a personal faith, not a social faith. The question this morning is, what gates are you going to open? What gate are you going to go through? Social or personal? Social gate is wide. Personal gate is, 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 is narrow. One leads to death. One leads to, 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 to life. On Palm Sunday, many in the crowd did the social thing. They didn't do the personal thing. Later on in Good Friday, did it again. Social thing, not the personal. I'm telling you today, God is personal. Amen? 1 John 4.10 says this. This is love. Not that we love God. Uh, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. It's personal. It's us. It's me. It's you. It's us. Amen. John 3, 16, we know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. First John 4, 10 said, this is love. John 3, 16 said, for God so loved. What's love? It's personal. See, I can say I, I, I love a certain thing. Kobe Bryant's playing. I love Kobe Bryant. I love watching him play. But do I actually love the person of Kobe Bryant? No. I love my wife. I, I, we, we are a personal relationship. And I love her deeply. Love is personal. We throw the, the, the love, the word out, love. Morality, it's, it's, it's a personal thing. Love is personal personal because God is personal. Amen? We have to come to the point in our life that we make a personal decision. Revelations 3.20. He says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. When anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. When we eat with each other, what do we become? It's personal. Ask you about your kids, your grandkids, how's work. We may, you know, even talk about personal, you know, things, whatever it may be. I don't know. Right? We get to know each other on a personal basis. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, and I wait for someone to open so I can sit down and be what? Social with them? Personal with them. Be personal with them. Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with each one of us. But are we willing to be social or are we willing to be personal? The last thing I want you to see, verse 4, is they possess a situational, not a foundational faith. It was a situational faith, not a foundational faith. These people had a situation. They were controlled by the Romans. They looked at Jesus as the Messiah that would come and save them and rescue them and deliver them from Rome's hand. They were looking for Jesus to come riding on a horse, but he came riding on a donkey. They were looking for Jesus to go in as a war horse, but he came peacefully. They were looking for Jesus to come and save them, and when they didn't realize that, that, that he wasn't there for that, what did they do? I'm out of here. You're not the Jesus I was looking for. You're not the Messiah or the Savior I was looking for. See, so much of our faith is derived from situational things. 
There are things in my life I look back and I say, that was the hand of God. There's, there's times and I can go on and on about stories and I think and I look back and I, and I praise God for it and I'm like, that is God working. And there's nothing wrong with that. You've got to have those monuments. You've got to have those, those moments in life where you look back and see what God has done in your life. But the, 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 the script is flipped. And what happens is on a situational basis, we look at what God has not done in our life. And we blame him. And you know what that becomes out to? Situational, not foundational. Our faith becomes off of a situation that we experienced and not off a foundation of who Jesus Christ is. Amen? See, a few weeks ago, and and, and honestly, people will lose. I've, I've seen people lose faith and turn off God. And get out of church because they looked at God in a situation that they wanted God to intercede in. And something happened and it wasn't the way they thought about it. Or, or God uh, 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 granted their request, but it wasn't how they viewed it. And they totally turned on God. And why? Because their faith was not on the foundation and the principles of Jesus Christ. Their foundation was on their situation and not on the principles of who God is. A few weeks ago, several weeks, a month ago now, we looked at, at Daniel 3. This has become one of my favorite verses, 1618. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in the matter. Remember, they were, throw, they were about to be thrown into the, the furnace. And it says in verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand, right? He's going to deliver us. But verse 18 says, but even if he does not, he want, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What they were telling the king was, my faith is not situational. It was foundational. And I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to praise God, and I'm going to seek after God, regardless of what's happening, regardless of God answers my prayer, or he doesn't answer my prayer. Regardless of the doors open or the doors closed, I'm going to continue moving forward and worshiping God and, and, and doing what I need to do, because God is still guarding regardless of my situation amen does that make sense church does it, does it, I mean it doesn't matter what the situation is our, our, our faith is not situational it is foundational amen these, these guys were making a deal with God well God if you save me well, then I'll praise you they weren't negotiating with God their faith was hey listen if we get thrown in and God saves us he's God but if we get thrown in and we die, that doesn't change our situation because God is still God. Amen? That's the foundation that, that, that their faith was on, was God was still God regardless of what happened in their life. It was not off the situation of, well, God saves me, then we're going to worship him. But if he doesn't, we're going to turn our back on him. No, regardless of what happened, we're going to continue having faith in God. Faith is foundational, not situational. Someone say that with me. Faith is foundational, not situational. Amen? This morning, I ask you a question. I'm going to wrap it up right this, right with this now. Got a little bit over, but that's all right. Are we members of the crowd on Palm Sunday? Are we members of the crowd on Good Friday? I want to challenge you this morning with four things that we went over. First one is, don't be casual in your faith, be committed. Don't be self-centered in your faith, but be Christ-centered. Don't be social in your faith, but be personal in your faith. 
And the last one is make sure your faith is what? Foundational, not what? Situational. Amen? Chew on that this, 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 this morning. Chew on that this week. Chew on that this, this whole entire week as we start Holy Week today. And say, I've been part of that crowd now, but I'm going to choose to be different. Amen? I'm not going to be a fickle person who's going back and forth. Let's not be fickle. Let's stand upon God's word and what he said in his word. Amen? Allow this to be our foundation. Stand with me as I close in prayer. Heavenly Father, come before you today, Lord. Lord, and first off, first and foremost, Heavenly Father, Lord, we are fickle, fickle people. Lord, and I want to ask your forgiveness, Heavenly Father, for being the one in the crowd, Heavenly Father, that has said Hosanna and then put you back on the cross. Lord, Lord I ask you, Heavenly Father, for your forgiveness, Heavenly Father. Lord, because we've done it, Lord, and I've done it, Heavenly Father, and I ask you for your forgiveness, Lord. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we become a people, Heavenly Father, that are personal, that are not, not, not social, it, 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 not religious, Lord, but personal with you, Heavenly Father. I pray, Heavenly Father, that, that our foundation is on you, Lord, and nothing else, Heavenly Father. Lord, I, I ask, Lord, as, as, we, as we celebrate you, Lord, this whole week is about you, Lord. Every, every week should be about you, Lord. But this week, Heavenly Father, as, as the world's looking upon you, Christians and non-Christians alike, they're looking at you, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we can be the church, Heavenly Father, and step into that void, Lord. Step into that vacuum, Lord, where the world needs, Lord Jesus. And we can share, Heavenly Father, our testimony, Lord. Share your word, Heavenly Father. Allow us, Lord, to leave this place today, Lord. First of all, Lord, with the covering of your blood, Heavenly Father. For protection, Heavenly Father. But also, Lord, to, to, to go out and share with somebody, Lord, what, what you've told us today, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for that crowd, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can learn from them, that we can take something away, that we can relate to them, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, just minister to us this week, Lord. Be with us, Heavenly Father. Bring us back safely on, on Friday, Heavenly Father, for a good Friday service, Lord. On Sunday, Lord, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, Lord, I thank you for the souls that are going to be here, Heavenly Father. I thank you for the children, Lord, that we can pour into, Lord. Allow your presence to be activated, Lord, right now in this place for next week, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Don't forget to invite somebody with you next Sunday, Easter Sunday. Take a flyer or two, and we'll see you next week. God bless you.